Welcome to the Do One Better podcast, where every week I focus on philanthropy, sustainability, and social entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Alberto Ligi, and I hope you'll enjoy the podcast. Keep on listening if you want to improve the world. Amanda Pellinger, Chief Executive of 100 Women in Finance, joining us from New York today. just want to welcome you, Amanda, to the Do One Better podcast. Um, we focus on philanthropy and sustainability and social entrepreneurship and inspiring people to be more of those things. So it's great that, that you've been able to join us today from New York. So you're the chief executive of 100 Women in Finance. I think when we, you and I first met a few years back, it was 100 Women in Hedge Funds. I believe you're in about 23 different locations globally. You have 15,000 uh, active members right now, over 500 volunteers, and you've been around for almost 20 years and uh, extremely good patronage as well from the Duke of Cambridge, Duchess of Cambridge, Prince Harry. So not, not a small feat, and you're going from strength to strength. And I'd love to find out a little bit more about the organization itself. Tell me a little bit about yourself, how you got into all of this, and what's the deal with 100 Women in Finance? I'd love to know more about that. So I started, my involvement with 100 Women in Finance was actually when I was a partner at a uh, small hedge fund in New York. Uh, and so I actually started off as a volunteer myself. Um, and my initial engagement with what was then 100 Women in Hedge Funds was in 2002 when we, when we ran our first New York gala event. I was in charge of all the logistics for that event as a volunteer. Right. Um, so that was my first engagement with the organization. Um, I then I then ended up joining the board of 100 Women in Finance. Um, and, and then about 11 years ago, um, I went through a, um, a, you know, some, uh, a, I read a book called The Authentic Career. And as a, as a result of that book, um, decided that what I really wanted to do was to set up my own business and consult to nonprofit organizations, mm -hmm. but in a very specific way. Okay. That I wanted to I wanted to work with nonprofits in terms of connecting those nonprofits with professionals. Okay. Um, because I really saw certainly within within our organization within a hundred women in finance, I saw this real need to be able to give opportunities to engage in terms of nonprofit mm -hmm. uh, activities to very busy women who had who had you know who had very demanding jobs who often had family responsibilities but who wanted to figure out how they could give back mm -hmm. um, in their you know in, in their own life but you know, very often they were overwhelmed by, you know, what what nonprofit do I do I pick and sure. how do I get involved and and well, you, you know, I can give I can give a bit of money, but actually that's just a, a drop in the bucket when it comes to actually making a difference. And so through various mechanisms, you know, a hundred women, for example, has become a place that our members can go to. Um, and figure out how to, how can they fit into what we're doing collectively mm -hmm. in a way that's meaningful for them and actually makes their impact feel more relevant and, and larger than it would do if they're trying to search out for those opportunities uh, by themselves. Um, so I, I, I ended up um, 
consulting to 100 women in what was hedge funds at the time, um, along with two other nonprofits, the American Red Cross of Greater New York, and actually my college at Oxford, Brazenose. Um, so I did work for all three organizations. Um, and then, as I, as I say to people, basically 100 women took over my life. Um, so five years ago, I became CEO on a full-time basis. Um, and we now have um, 10 staff members, um, you know, across the regions that we are, that, that we cover, um, and about 500 active volunteers. It's a right. very interesting model where we, we rely very heavily on volunteers to run the programming. Right. Um, and so, um, and so I, you know, I, I've kind of gone from volunteer, from someone who's in the industry, to um, to working on on the nonprofit side. But I think what I, I mean, what I love about what I do is is that I'm I'm making those connections between mm -hmm. the between the industry. So I'm still engaged in the industry, which I love, mm -hmm. but. At the same time, you know, I'm making a difference both for the women who are part of our membership, for the next generation of women, and also for those external organizations that we're supporting through philanthropy. So I, I consider myself to be very fortunate to be in a place where I can have an impact in all of those different arenas. I noticed your, your philanthropic theme for 2019 is next generation. Tell me a little bit about that. So it's, really, it's 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 really it's really interesting. We we have um, as an organisation, um, you know, I, I believe that we've in the la over the last eighteen years we've provided amazing services to to our members, those who are in the industry. We've created a peer network. You know, we've enabled them to have a peer network of those in the industry that mm -hmm. they can engage for business for bus business purposes, but. Clearly, you know, if, if we look at if we look at the numbers, if we look at the numbers at the senior level, if we look at the percentage of women who are fund managers, for example, mm -hmm. the numbers have, the numbers have not shifted for twenty years. Right. Uh, and and so and so a couple of years ago, we really we realised actually we needed to do more. That uh, it wasn't enough to just service the current population of, of, of women who are in finance, but actually we needed to be able to communicate to the next generation of women that the fight, you know, we needed to overcome some of the myths about the industry mm -hmm. and, um, and some of the negative um, press that the industry has received, some of it quite rightly, but mm -hmm. I believe it's, it's, it is much of it, much of the negativity is overstated and isn't actually accurate. Okay. Um, and so, um, and so, what we what we we've wanted to do is through using role models, so using um, examples of women in our industry in different roles, um, we're wanting to um, to get those role models in into schools, into universities and business schools, so that the next generation of young women can see. That it is not only is it possible to be a woman in the finance industry, but actually there are some fantastic roles in the industry mm -hmm. that they just don't realize exist. Um, and and so demystifying what we do in the finance industry, I think, is a critical factor uh, for the next generation. I think they only know what they see on, you know, see on in the news. Um, 
they only know what they watch, you know, in a film like Wolf on Wall Street. And, mm -hmm. and I'm not saying there are, you know, there weren't elements and there aren't elements of that. But actually, there are there are very successful women in the finance industry. There are women in those roles. I just believe we need to make them more visible. I right. also. I also think that for the net for, for millennials, and this is not gender based, mm -hmm. what I've observed is that it's not enough to say, you know, it's really intellectually stimulating to be in the finance industry. There's some fantastic opportunities. Obviously, you can make a lot of money and then, and, and you know, you can um, you can have a, a big impact on on um, in, in terms of, um, you know, in terms of, uh, uh, you know, your own career. You, the reality is that for the next generation, they want to know that they're making a difference. Sure. And I believe that, again, I think the finance industry has not done a good job at really explaining the fact that actually they do make a difference for ordinary men and women. That this is not an industry that is purely self-serving and, and greedy and wanting to make money. Um, we did a recent teenage daughters dinner okay. um, where, where we invited, um, and we've done we've done a number of these. We invited senior men in the industry to bring their teenage daughters to an event where the teenage girls were exposed to female role models in different roles in the finance industry mm -hmm. and at different stages in their career. And one of the um, one of the the women on the panel was a portfolio manager. She runs her own fund, and so she she described what she does and how she, how she looks at businesses and she looks at stocks, etc. Um, but what was really interesting was these teenage girls their eyes lit up when she said. And you know, one of my investors is a teacher's pension fund. Mm -hmm. And she said, what makes me feel good about what I do is that I can have an impact on how much that teacher makes when they retire and when they can retire. And it, so she put it in yeah. terms that these teenage girls understood. And it was very interesting. So I, you know, what we're really focused on this year globally is how do we how do we get our role models into environments where we can change the viewpoint of um, of young women from being negative about finance to actually saying this is something for me to look into um, this is something that's important so for example we just announced that in the uk we're mm -hmm. going to be we're going to be supporting philanthropically an organization called Founders for Schools. Okay. Um, and we are going to co-brand with them a, a, new pro, a, a new program under their umbrella of, of, of a network of state schools in the UK. We're going to co-brand a program called Maths for Girls. Okay. Which is really going to focus on, on encouraging girls in the UK to look at maths in a positive way, to understand that going forward, you know, actually, actually getting to getting to grips with maths and really focusing on maths um, as a subject uh, is going to give them a much broader range of choices in terms of careers. Sure. And uh, and actually, I mean, the statistics are really interesting. Um, that the, the government put out, um, I think it was probably a year ago now, um, that. Girls who do A-level maths earn twice as much over their lifetime 
as girls than than girls who don't do A level maths. Now, now n not everyone is 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 motivated by money, but I do believe that it it gives you it gives you a much, it's going to give you and it has given you a much broader range of career options. Um, and so we're going to be focused on encouraging our members particularly those that have done maths but but you know quite frankly you know, even if even if you haven't done maths at a level um you know i still think that there is there's lots to talk about in terms mm -hmm. of careers um and we're going to go into we're going to go into schools through this founders for schools program and really talk about um you know talk about careers talk about finance and 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 i i believe that we will be able to change that mindset and really encourage the next generation of young women to look much more favorably at the at the industry you find that currently um the industry is simply viewed um in, in a negative light in some segments Correct. right yeah you know i've observed we've done a number of these teenage daughters dinners and i i mean i i, I i'm i'm not exaggerating when i say that you know, pr pretty much all of them, the girls walk in either neutral or negative on the finance industry. And in the course of two hours, their mindset changes to the extent that a lot of them will walk out saying, I'm going to be a portfolio manager when I grow up. <laughs> well, they wouldn't even have known what that meant before they walked in. So sure. I I'm very encouraged by those dinners that we've done. Um, and I think if we can, if we can scale up that you know the the access that young women can have to to women who are in the industry to, who 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 are making a difference um, uh, in many ways. I mean the the pension fund um, example is just one mm -hmm. aspect. It's really exciting um, for the next generation. Is there are, there are you know there are impact investing funds. You know this whole social response corporate social responsibility arena. Um, ESG is becoming a much bigger part of the investing world, but the reality is you still need the same skill sets um, in order to affect those that change. And so, you know, so again, going back to the basics of of having a co comfort level with maths, for example, mm -hmm. that's going to that's going to benefit you, and it's going to benefit you whether you decide to go into the traditional finance industry or um, you know, or, or go into the alternative, you know, mm -hmm. more alternative space um, around impact investing. Interesting. Now, ultimately, 100 Women in Finance is a global network of professionals um, in finance and alternative investment industries working together to empower women at, at every stage of their career. And let me ask you something. So, everything you've said, I can see it from a finance perspective in terms of financial industry perspective that obviously it's great to get a do away with some apprehensions but obviously it's not a utopia i mean there, there are challenges as i'm sure as well let me ask you a little bit about the inclusivity conversation when, when you and i last met for a coffee five years ago yes inclusivity was on the horizon there and part of the context that people were speaking about but not like today um i remember you know just a few days ago with um international women's day on, on the 8th um it, it it was difficult to to be on social media on LinkedIn without seeing the the great and the good of of the corporate world talking publicly about inclusivity and gender equality and and having boards that are that are balanced and so forth. What 
over the last five years, what's the landscape? Um, how has it transformed? And where are we now? And, and where where do we still need to go? So I, 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 you know, it's funny. I said to a number of people because I was in London last week, um, and I attended eight events that were related <laughs> okay. to International Women's Day, and and spoke at four of those. Okay. And I said it felt this year like it was International Women's Day on steroids. <laughs> um, you know, it, it, it really, I, it, yeah. So, so. Correct. So I mean, I agree. I, here's my here's my view, and I and I think I probably have a slightly different view um, from from a lot of other people. Okay. Um, I think we are talking about the issues more, but I'm not sure that we are um, that we are doing as much as we can to actually provide solutions to the issues. Okay. I, I, I happen to be somebody who, I, I don't really want to talk about something unless I can, unless we can figure out the solutions um, and, and then pre and present those solutions. I, I don't. I don't see the point of talking for the sake of talking. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think communication is important, but I think a lot of what's happened over the last five years is, you know, they've been there have been the headlines, and there have been there have been, you know, the statistics, and there have been the, the focus on the data. But what's interesting is, with all the studies that have come out saying that. Um, saying that diversity, uh, you know, di more di diverse teams produce better results mm -hmm. across industries, across sectors, you know, with all of that data out there, the numbers still haven't changed. So I, I think that while I don't think it's a bad thing that we are talking about it, I worry a bit that people are getting, are going to get um bored you know this is going to be like oh here we go again with the unconscious bias training or whatever mm -hmm. and, and and my my worry is that um that people will tire of the talk um right. so and so and so my focus has as i said has been on how do we find solutions and how do we how do we how do we really activate those solutions so that the numbers really do change. Um, I, I, so I'm going to give you an example. Mm -hmm. um, there, you know, the, you can Google the articles on that, that say, where are the women? Where are the women in investing? There are no women in investing. You know, it, you know how many fund managers, you know, what percentage of women are fund managers? And mm -hmm. it's 7% or even less in certain categories. Um, well, I, I mean, what am I going to say about that when the when the media comes to me and says, well, you know, why is this happening? Where are they? We can all debate why, but I think we need, and you do, we do need to understand why in order to get to the solutions. But I don't think, you know, I don't think I should be spending my time kind of talking about the whys and the and the and you know the the negative side of well you know what is it that's prevented women from from becoming a fund manager for example mm -hmm. so last summer i very quietly wrote to 400 female fund managers around the world um who were in private equity real estate 
um, venture capital, long only mutual and hedge funds. Okay. So, you know, across the board. And I asked them for two things. I asked them for a headshot and a and permission to put their uh, face mm-hmm. on our website with their name and company name. And I also asked them if they would be willing to speak to 100 women at our mm-hmm. events. We put on over 125 industry education events around the world. And these are female fund managers who we should be hearing from. Um, I asked them if they would speak at external conferences. And I asked them if they would speak to the media. Mm -hmm. And we had an overwhelming response. So we now have on our website the faces of 260 female fund managers. Now, it's not enough, right? It's, it, we need more. But the reality is what I realized was that we needed these women to be visible for their own benefit because, because part of the challenge for, for fund managers is they say female fund managers tend to say they, they have a harder time raising money mm-hmm. than their counterparts. Well, one of the ways that we can, we can, we can help with that is by creating the visibility on obviously on our website, but also having them present themselves as experts at external conferences to the media is a really great way of raising their visibility to potential investors, etc. It also it also demonstrates, and we're we're beginning to do some short um, videos with uh, with with women who are fund managers. Um, Again, we're wanting to get that messaging out to young women so that they can see that someone like them is, um, you know, that they're able to, to, to go into that into that role and be successful. And um, and so so I, what I what I'm trying to focus on as a, you know, as an organization mm-hmm. is is really how, how are we going to change the numbers? Um, and, and I think there are certain, you know, certain of our initiatives where I think over time we will change the numbers. So by numbers, we're talking about the number of women who are in the field or the, uh, or the remuneration levels or the progression, um, when you talk all, all of the all above, of the, all of the above. But mm-hmm. what I would say is I don't think so, you know, again, lots of conversation about gender pay gap, gender pay gap and how terrible and how terrible. And, and I'm not. You know, that's not my area of expertise. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't come from the, a diversity and inclusion background. Mm-hmm. I come from the, the industry, you know, from an industry perspective. And so um, I, I actually think the gender pay gap, to some extent, will resolve itself if we get more women in senior roles, particularly on the investment side, because that's where the money is made, right? So right. The, the statistics... So in some ways, if we focus on on getting more women into those roles, um, you know, certainly uh, uh, the numbers will will improve by right. themselves because they're in roles where they're going to be paid, you know, they're going to be paid uh, at a higher level or whatever. Um, and and but if you if you look if you look at the percentage of senior women, and as I said, particularly on the investment side, it hasn't. It's not changing. It's not hmm. changing. So, um, so what, you know, so there are multiple things that need need to happen. But again, as I said, I think just talk. I do think I do think there is a role in in measuring. You know, it, you know 
what what isn't measured doesn't doesn't get focused on, right? I get that, but I still think that um, that you know until we come up with the solutions, this is a you know the finance industry is a smart industry. You know, if it was simple, we would have solved this issue, right? It's not you know it is not it's not uh, enough to just say okay. You know, this is the percentage today. We want X percentage mm-hmm. in a few years' time, and expect it to magically happen. Mm-hmm. I think you you need to have, you know, you need to have those practical solutions. So one of the one of the um, one of the ways that I think that we are going to see, you know, that we're making a difference in, in that arena is with our next gen groups. Mm-hmm. So. We have um, we have next gen groups in nine of our 23 locations around the world, and these are women who have zero to 10 years experience in the industry. Right. And what we are providing for them is a peer network that will go throughout their career. So we all know that the mid career piece is the is the difficult piece. That's where women find, um, you know, come across hurdles that, you know, they may or may not overcome. But it's that mid-career. So if we can equip our, you know, those in their early stages of their career, we can equip them with the knowledge and the network to be able to um, to be able to overcome some of those hurdles that exist in the industry. I believe that we will see more, you know, we, we will see over time those numbers at the top shifting because you've got, you've, you've given women an environment where they don't feel alone. They don't feel they're the only ones. They don't feel that they're, um, that they are, you know, that they're unable to be a good parent and, mm-hmm. you know, work. Um, I think having others that are like you to talk to talk to about about issues is incredibly important. I, I mean, I can't even I can't overstate this, you know, enough how how important I believe that is and what and it's what our members often say that before 100 women, they often felt alone because they often were the only woman in, a, in an environment. And right. and while. Of course, you can talk to, to, to men about many things. And, and, and obviously, you know, we, we wouldn't be in this industry if we didn't like working with men, um, <laughs> you know. But actually, there are there are certain topics that it's just easier to talk to as sure. someone who looks like you and thinks like you and and, um, and has had the same experiences. So so these next gen groups, I think, are a game changer. Um, and, and, and the additional piece that I think is a game changer is, as I said, we're, they're in nine of the 23 locations. And what we're beginning to see is young women who are in, you know, a young woman, and this has happened recently, a young woman who's in Singapore moving to London, right. a woman from London moving to Toronto, a woman from Toronto moving to Cayman Islands. And in all of those locations, you know, the, the, it, it's not just about uh, seeing those, those international opportunities. For, for these young women, it's about that, the confidence that that knowing when you land in that new country in that new environment, you have a ready-made community, mm-hmm. and I think that matters a lot more to women than it does to men. Right. Um, and and you know part of what we want to do is to have is to see women take those risks in terms of their career, and and we want to be supportive of that rather than just saying you know you should just do it. Sure. 
Well, some people can just do it, but most of us need a bit of a push, some some support, some and some you know um, some personal um, sense of, uh, of of community. I think uh, I think really helps um, in, in in encouraging women to to make those moves. I'm a big believer that yeah. I'm a big believer that getting. Uh, I say it to young women all the time, get out of the country in which you were born, at mm-hmm. least for a period of time. Mm-hmm. I think I think I think international experience is not only essential as we you know as we move forward, but it actually helps overcome the whole gender issue. So my experience is that when you have international experience, it's no longer you know, oh, you're a woman versus you know whatever mm-hmm. you're not of course you're a woman, but you, you're not seen, you know, as a woman, you're now seen as someone with international experience. And I think, I think that's helpful. Um, uh, and, and it's going to be increasingly helpful as, as women, um, you know, go through their careers. But, you know, it, it is also, as you, as you're, you know, as you, you would know too, it's okay. also much easier to make those international changes when you're young, when you don't have all the responsibilities sure. and, and all the stuff that life um, brings with it. Um, and so, you know, look, I was 23 when I left the UK to come to the States. And um, I thought it was going to be for a couple of years. And I'm 30 sure. years later, I'm still here. But um, <laughs> but I think it, it, for me, it was a great decision um, to, to actually do that. And, you know, I, I did it at a time that it was very easy for me to move to another country. I didn't have all the all the baggage, if you like. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> you know, the mortgage and and families and all sorts of other things that 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 um, come in the way. You know. Well, I can't I can't wear. argue with that. I absolutely can't <laughs> argue with that. And I think I've lived in numerous countries. And again, when I moved to the UK, I thought it was going to be for about six months. And anyways, here we are, twenty three years later. Um, Still sounding the way I do, but you know, <laughs> I, I've been here for 23 years. The international angle, though, also as, as in terms of your organization's footprint, you mentioned 23 locations, and I've seen on the map, you know, where you guys are, and it's a strong presence in, in North America, the states, and Canada, Western Europe. Um, you have a bit in Australasia, and and Southeast Asia or Hong Kong, anyway. Um, but I noticed also that there wasn't much by way of Latin America and Africa, and obviously, take powerhouse, you know, economic powerhouses like Brazil and the banking industry in South Africa being very vibrant. I'm just curious, um, how, how do you see those two huge geographic spaces possibly um, being part of uh, 100 Women in, in Finance um, a little bit more going down the line? Um, so there, there has been um, interest uh, from, from Latin America and from South Africa, mm-hmm. um, in you know, in setting up a, a hundred women location, our model is so we don't go into a location. Okay, we don't, we don't have the resources to go into a location and start from scratch. Um, our model has been that we uh, we really we see where there's interest, so we see where there's. Um, interest from women in the in the industry mm-hmm. in those new locations, and and quite frankly, we expect we we set quite a high bar on what needs to happen, um, both in terms of 
in terms of uh, you know potential potential membership um you know uh, numbers right, right. Uh, but also um you know we're not going to go and launch a location based on one person saying they'd like to do it. Mm-hmm. We're actually, you know, we actually expect um, those who are interested to find other interested parties to think about a committee to think about where they would get support for the for the events that they put on. Right. Uh, and um, and and to see, I mean, you know. It, it, and to see where the industry is going in those locations. So we we are uh, what I would say is we are observing mm-hmm. what is going on in in Latin America, and we are in touch with people who would like to do something there. Um, but there needs to be a threshold. Right. You know, there's a certain threshold over which we will we will then formally launch. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll, I'll give you an interesting example. If you look at Dublin. Okay. We launched in Dublin a couple of years ago, um, and and part of the reason why Dublin is now a very successful, thriving location for us is because is because the industry or part of the industry moved to Dublin, and so the pool of 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 members grew very substantially in Dublin. Right. And it's that kind of scenario that, that actually makes for a successful location. Um, you know, you look at somewhere like the Cayman Islands, I mean, you wouldn't believe it, but we have a thousand members in mm-hmm. Cayman. So the, the, the locations that thrive are, it is a combination of things that, that, that leads to a successful location for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is, it, it, it is, um, it is certainly having enthusiastic volunteers who are going to do the work in that location. That is an absolute, that, right. I mean, that's kind of the bottom line. But also what, what we found is that you, want, you need the right demographics in a particular location. You need to be going somewhere where the industry is increased, on the increase, not on the, on, on the decline. Mm-hmm. Um, in order for, for lots of different reasons, you know, we, we, we rely on um, the industry to support our events. We don't charge for our events, so and we don't pay for speakers. And so we really rely on those volunteers and the local industry supporters to um, to carry out the programming that we do in those locations. So right. so we are observing those locations of- along with along with um, you know we don't have anything formal in India, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a growing. We do have an affiliate um, organization in Mumbai, um, and but you know we want to make sure that we're at the right, the right, um, the the right point in time with the right with the right resources in place locally before we would actually launch. No, that makes sense, and I, and I suppose that's part of the the dynamic underpinning your success in that. It's quite organic in terms of, or at least I gather, in terms of the sort of events that you're going to have. It's it's not you unilaterally saying, look, we're going to do this event here and then, but having people try to drive those forward locally. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I had no idea. Well, you mentioned 125 events. I didn't know that, that that's the scale, but also, if I read correctly, your your events have raised over $50 million. 
uh, for, for well, philanthropic, yeah, philanthropic mm -hmm. um, galas have raised over fifty million dollars, yeah, for ch for charities, yeah, and uh, in fact, so on on our education side, um, we're about to do our one thousandth education event in okay. London in, in March, so pretty amazing milestone. Sure. Now those, those events are very fo are focused on the business side, um, you know, on the uh, of the industry. Um, our gala events are, are obviously are also focused on on industry. We 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 um, we give an award in each region to okay. a woman shown leadership at our gala events. Um, so there's certainly a a, a um, an industry focus. Um, but yeah, we we've raised through those galas um, um, over fifty million dollars that goes you know that that typically will go to. Um, a charity in the country where we've raised the funds um, right. for them to, um, uh, you know, to build out a program or or um, or to start a new program um, that's linked to our philanthropic themes. Right. So, no, um, well, that's remarkable. Very proud. I'm very proud of that number. Well, yeah, you should be. It's a huge number. I know we're running out of time. Just a couple more questions, though. In terms of your corporate engagement, do you? Do you deal mainly through your members and that's how you engage them with organizations or do you also deal sort of organization to organization, 100 Women in Finance with a Morgan Stanley? Um, how, how does that work? How do, because I can see that there's a lot of sort of mutual interest and co common ground and I'm curious to see the dynamic and, and also for other um, enlightened organizations who are looking to connect with, with industry who may have a membership model. What, what sort of... Um, Words of wisdom, and uh, could you could you share on that side, and um, and how do you guys do it? So our membership model um, has always been an individual membership model, okay. uh, meaning that when you become a member of a hundred women, you become a member as an individual, mm -hmm. and, um, and 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 that's important because we want engaged members. We want people to you know wherever they're working you know wh whatever firm they're working on, we want our members to be engaged either as you know in volunteering or or you know finding us great speakers or you know all, all of the different things that we're doing um we want engagement and so um it's interesting you know our our, our fastest growth period was during the financial crisis okay and I and I think that's largely. And I looked at I look at other I looked at other associations um, who had taken who had taken more of a corporate stance in terms of, you know, corporates paying for memberships, etc., um, rather than an individual membership. And many of those associations did not fare well during the financial crisis. We did. We grew through the financial crisis because I think individuals found benefits in sure. being involved with 100 women at that time. So, you know, they may, you know, they may have been laid off or whatever, but actually they saw 100 women as as and as an arena where they could find their next job of and course. And, ha and find a community etc. So, so that's the first, first thing I should say is that we have individual memberships. However, over the last 5 years, we have had companies come to us and say 
look, we are supporting you, you know, through your galas or we're supporting you by hosting education events around the world. We'd like to kind of package it all together mm -hmm. so, that it's, so that we understand kind of what we're supporting globally. And so we have kind of a touch point in terms of our overall business goals. And that, and quite frankly, that made sense to me that we should actually have a relationship that incorporated these individual memberships, but actually where we had a global partnership with certain organizations. And so we have a level of um, corporate membership, which is called Leadership Council. Okay. So these are global firms in the finance industry who, um, who are partnering with us at a higher level. So they are making a commitment to us globally to support each of our three pillars. So they support our education events, they support our philanthropy, and they support our peer engagement efforts around mm -hmm. both the next gen, but also um, senior practitioners. And, um, and so we've packaged that together, but we're very selective because what we wanna make sure is that we don't lose that individual contribution. Right. It's very easy if, if some you know if a corporate pays for your membership, it's very easy to just say, well, you know, that you know didn't cost me anything, so it doesn't much matter if I attend an event or do this, that, and the other. And so we're very focused on ensuring that even though the corporates may be paying for their employees, that we figure out how can we encourage through the corporate um, or corporate entity you know, engagement um, of of their individual members um, with the organization. So so actually over the last several years, the corporate, if you if you like, the the check has been paid by the corporate rather than the individual. Right. But we are very we're very focused on ensuring that individual membership is still um, you know is still is still the predominant uh, form of our uh, of our membership and anybody can join you irrespective of where they live or whether they're in a hedge fund or, or right correct correct yes Wonderful. well look i mean i know we could spend much more time talking about a million different things but i know your schedule is very uh, very tight as well and i just wanted to tell you that you know this has been very insightful for me um thoroughly enjoyed uh, reconnecting with you after all these years and um, as you know, with the Do One Better podcast, we, we really want to inspire people to be more philanthropic and focus on sustainability and social entrepreneurship and so forth. What's the last takeaway uh, that you'd like listeners to walk away with now, whether that's about the finance industry or about women and overcoming, whatever it is, what's, what key takeaway would you like people to uh, walk away with after listening to this episode today? I, I think the key takeaway is that we can all make a difference um, sometimes that that may feel very overwhelming, but actually, very small things can really make a difference. So, you know, go and talk to, you know, I, I would encourage everyone to go and talk to their local um, their local school, and and whether whether you're male or female, and talk about talk about what you've done in your career and and what's out there because. I really believe that by being visible and being, um, you know, and being out there talking about what the options are, that that the next generation 
can really be inspired by that and you really you don't know you don't know where you're changing lives but I can guarantee that you're going to be changing you're going to be changing lives so I I think sometimes people feel they have to do something really big um, in order to have an impact and I, I don't think so I think taking the time to to talk to to young people about what the options are out there is really is it can be really impactful no, that's perfect. Perfect way to wrap up the episode today. Thank you so very much. Really appreciate it. And for our listeners, if you want to get a hold of episode notes, any additional resources and links, which we're going to get from Amanda uh, for you to take a look at, just visit the website at liji.org. That's L-I-D-J-I.org. And um, Amanda, thanks very much. I could not tell you how uh, how useful this is for me as a father of two daughters and uh, and for many of our listeners as well. Thank you for listening to the Do One Better podcast. If you want to find out more about our show, about our guests, additional links and resources, visit our website at liji.org. That's L-I-D-J-I dot And don't forget, success at the Do One Better podcast is about inspiring you to be more philanthropic, to think more about sustainability, and to embrace social entrepreneurship. Hopefully, these stories will encourage you to take action and change the world around you for the better. <music>